You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 13 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Carusco. Carusco is a three-piece indie rock band from Texas. They just released a new record entitled Wake, produced by Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath and engineered and recorded at Rio Grande Studios by Kenny Riley. Follow them on Spotify and catch them on tour this August. The dates will be announced soon. And you can keep checking out caruscomusic.com for those dates. It's C-O-R-U-S-C-O-M-U-S-I-C.com. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Carusco Music. Once again, that is C-O-R-U-S-C-O-M-U-S-I-C. And um, yeah, they're a great band. Uh, They came on as a sponsor last week. I've really been digging their stuff. I've been checking it out. They've actually also given their single that I'm going to play here in a minute, Better Off. They're giving it away for free to listeners of that one time on tour. All you have to do to get your free download of the song is go to caruscomusic.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T. That is caruscomusic.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T. So uh, go get your free copy of this song. Without further ado, I'm going to play it right now. Here it is, Carusco with Better Off.
Johnson from Brazil and Saba Banks, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour with Chris Swinney. Hey, what's going on out there? This is Chris Swinney. I am your host for that one time on tour. I'd like to thank you for coming back week in and week out. These uh, these episodes have been getting a ton of plays, and uh, it just keeps growing and growing exponentially with every new episode. So thank you guys so much for coming back. Um, we have a really good episode again this week. I get to sit down with my good friend Eric Johnson from the band Brazil and the band Saba Banks. I did a lot of touring with Brazil back in the day when they were on Fearless Records. I played bass for him for a while. Uh, we did some really, really crazy tours. If uh, you've listened to episode one with Joel Green from Emory, uh, Brazil was the band that I was playing with when we toured with Emory and I met Joel. So there's some some stuff that we already talked about with Joel. We ended up talking with Eric as well. So uh, before we get into my conversation with Eric, we've got some new things to talk about. We have the TOTOT hotline. It is uh, area code 765-372-8818. For my, interna- my international listeners, that is the country code of 1. So 1-765-372-8818. You can call us. You can leave us a message. Um, you know, if you guys have like a suggestion for a guest or if you have any questions for me. Uh, if you just want to say that you like the show or you don't like the show, like whatever you want to do, just leave me a message and uh, maybe you'll get played on the show. Uh, Also, I'd really like to know a lot of you guys out there are musicians. You've been on the road. If you have a story that you really want to tell, leave me a message on the TOTOT line and uh, I'll put it on the show. So once again, that is area code 765-372-8818. Call it 24-7. Just leave me a message and uh, I'm going to check all of them and I'm going to put the best ones up on a future episode. So uh, check that out. Make sure that you are liking us on all the social media stuff. Uh... It's T-O-T-O-T, bleh, <laughs> I can't talk, T-O-T-O-T podcast 
on all the social medias. Uh, if you want to become a sponsor, you can hit me up at TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com. We'll figure all of it out. Just hit me up and let me know. We're looking for sponsors for future episodes. And um, please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, everything. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into my conversation because it is a dense, long conversation with Eric. Uh, we actually did it down where I teach guitar at Muncie Music Center, and it was very nice to have like a face-to-face kind of meeting. So uh, without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Eric Johnson from Brazil and Saba Banks. So yeah, I'm sitting here with a good friend of mine, Mr. Eric Johnson from uh the illustrious Fearless Records band Brazil and uh, Saba Banks, which you've been in Saba Banks way longer than Brazil, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, um, how you been? Ah, awesome, man. <laughs> been, been really awesome. This is like the first time that I've had like a face-to-face podcast. It's a little bit different okay. than being on Skype or whatever. I can, I can turn around. <laughs> Just you yeah, turn, get your phone out and turn around. We'll do Skype in the same room. Okay. So, um, what I like to do with these podcasts is... Uh, I like to start at the beginning. I, I've told my story many, many times of how that I've got into music. How did you get into music? What was like your first experience as a child or whenever it started? Like what got you to play guitar? Like, like what was it? Um, well, I, I come from a musical background, really. Uh, my dad uh, plays guitar. Um, his uh, mom, my grandma, um, Played uh, lap steel in uh, in country bands when she was really young, um, and then from the other side, my mom's uh, sister, my aunt, can play just about anything, and uh, used to give lessons for quite a few things. And um, then their mom, my other grandma, she uh, played organ in the church. Um, so you know, and especially with my aunt uh, giving lessons you know she used to uh, babysit me <clears throat> when I was uh, like in kindergarten and um, you know she gave drum lessons guitar lessons trombone lessons uh, piano lessons um, so I would go over there and it was just I could just get up there and make noise and play anything I want and uh, you know so I, w- I was just always around it uh, growing up and um my dad um, got me my first acoustic guitar when I was probably about uh, like five or six. Wow. And um, did you jump right in or were you just kind of? Oh, like, no, no, I didn't jump right in. Because I, I got a guitar when I was seven, but I wouldn't say that I started playing when I was seven. No, no. I mean, I, I learned a few chords and. Um, you know, wanted to, you know, and his purpose was getting me an acoustic guitar so it would be harder. Yeah. And, um, because it's definitely harder. Like oh. the action, and especially if it's not like an expensive, nice Martin or something, it's right. Probably doesn't stay in tune. Yeah. I don't even know what, what the brand was. It was my first one was a Washburn and it was horrible. But I learned how to play one by Metallica and so I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I, he, you know, he basically gave me this stipulation that, um, I had to, uh, I had to know all my open chords okay. and I had to be able to play and be able to switch, you know, between them and then, um, play, you know, at least I think three songs all the way through before he would get me an electric guitar. So were you taking lessons or were you just not at that point? I mean, I, I learned a little bit from him. Okay. 
and um, and like I said, at that time, I just became, I, I learned some chords and got really discouraged. As you do when you start playing guitar. Right. So um, my aunt had stopped giving lessons, and she had given me her old drum set. Uh, and so I thought, well, this is a lot easier, you know, I thought. Um, took a lot more coordination, but, you know, um, all you really had to do was beat the hell out of them. Yeah. And uh, if you could kind of keep a beat, it sounded good. So You don't have to worry about notes. Exactly, yeah. Finger it, placement. You know, the, the theory doesn't really get in. Although into, there is, I mean, there's some theory to it. No, no, definitely. But definitely when you're looking at it, because kids all the time when they come in here and they don't, like when I'm giving guitar lessons... They'll say, well, I think I'm just going to quit and play drums because it's easier. Like, yeah. well, maybe it's easier. Yeah. I, I think, though, it was it was really good for me to um, to get some experience playing drums because it, it gave me a sense of how important the drummer is yeah. in a band, you know, really being the backbone. And um, and then it, it improved my, uh, my rhythm. And... Um, but then, you know, I, I would say, and I didn't, I wasn't really serious at it either. You know, I, I would play, play around and I, I played with my dad sometimes, you know, he would get me to learn, uh, I think we played like Hotel California or something together when he would get me on the weekends or whatever. But Did uh, you play it in A minor or B minor? On the drums? Yeah, I oh, oh, you're playing on the drums. Oh, yeah. It's going to say because I have kids all the time that want to learn that song and I'm like, they don't know bar chords yet. Uh, so I'm like, well, we'll just play it, you know down a full step or put a capo on the second fret. <laughs> right. No. So, um, I'm sure your dad probably <clears throat> played it the right way. Yeah, he probably did. I, I don't remember. I was like, I was still pretty young, but you know, it was something easy that I could kind of keep a beat to on the drums. And, uh, so, you know, I, I started playing the drums, you know, for a couple of years and then I decided, you know, that, um, I guess, you know, I just, I wanted to get back into guitar. Um, so seemed, that kind of like, lit the spark or the, the, the light lit the fire. Like you started doing drums and you're like, well, maybe I should jump back on this thing. Yeah. I yeah. I still had, you know, like what were you listening to at the time? Was there anything that like you really liked? <clears throat> oh gosh. I mean, at that time, you know, I mean, this would have, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of old. Uh, <laughs> just the, a little bit older than me, man. I know, but, um, in the, well, it's been like mid eighties. So, you know, you know, I remember um, hearing Hot for Teacher. Okay. And being just blown. I mean, I had heard some Van Halen before, um, but just the intro with that drum, the drums, you know, and then Eddie comes in just screaming on the guitar. I was just like, this is, you know, this is blowing my mind, you know, because I, I had grown up, um, you know, my parents listened to a lot of music and, uh, you know, you know, it was always like Led Zeppelin and, um, you know, the Beatles and, uh, my dad was really into jazz. So, and blues, you know, so I, I got a lot of different, um, influences, you know, um, at an early age. Um, and I do remember, you know, specifically one time that, uh, you know, I used to live in, in Fort Wayne and, uh, my dad would come and get me <clears throat> for, uh, a, you know, his, his weekend visitations, my <clears throat> parents were split up and, uh, he was listening to, uh, this Beatles compilations called rock and roll music. Um, and it's got just a little bit of the early stuff all the way up to later stuff. And I just, I specifically remember the first time 
it probably wasn't the first time I heard it, but the first time it clicked for me when I heard the song Hey Bulldog. And something about that, it was really the piano, you know, riff that's going there, but um, just the the change of it, the intervals and stuff. And I was like, this this sounds really cool. And like, I want to do that. You know, I want to be able to create music like that. So um, the Beatles were always um, an early influence on me, you know, Um, while, while a lot of other kids were you know, my age listening to the different stuff, you know, I, I was kind of going back yeah. and um, listening to a lot of that early stuff. But like I said, you know, you know, I heard Van Halen and it was kind of all over. And then, you know, that kind of progressed into, uh, you know, the, the heavier stuff, <clears throat> um, which I always wanted to, uh, I was always looking for something that was heavier, you know. It was like, you know, from Van Halen, I quickly move on to like Motley Crue and from Motley Crue quickly into, you know, like Metallica and um, from that to Slayer. And then, you know, then I discovered like death metal. I was like, well, shit, it doesn't get any heavier than that, really. You know, at least not at that time. Not, yeah. not in like, Things have changed a bit now. Oh, yeah. My students let me hear stuff all the time. I'm like, what the hell is that? Right. Yeah, there's, I mean, people are always pushing, yeah. know, pushing the envelope and. But, um, so you were getting in, it's like when you were getting into Metallica and stuff, you're saying that's like mid eighties. Yeah. Late eighties. Yeah. Mid, mid, late eighties. Okay. And, um, you know, the, the whole time you're playing guitar too. So are you learning songs from those bands? Like, like cover songs, like just a, yeah, kind of. I mean, I was not, I mean, I did take lessons. Um, uh, I took lessons for maybe like two or three years and, um, I had, I had two different teachers and, um, the later, my later teacher, I, you know, I did have him, you know, uh, show, show me songs, but what he really ended up doing was help me, um, uh, tune my ear and, uh, learn how to figure out songs by myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was never schooled in it. Um, I didn't really know how to read music. You know, we did tablature and, yeah. um, but yeah, I, my attention span was very short. So a lot of times I wouldn't learn like the whole song and the whole solo and everything like that. I would just learn like parts of it. And Same uh, with me. I'd always just learn like a riff from one of the songs. Right. And then maybe like two years later, I'd be playing that riff and be like, oh yeah, I think I figured out, you know, the rest of this yeah. part. But um, so yeah, I mean, it just kind of took off, you know, from there where I just, I started playing um, on a regular basis and, um, you know. I know early on, I kind of wanted to play baseball when I was little. And then I um, found out I had asthma. And um, that kind of, you know, nipped that right in the bud. Killed that dream, right? Yeah. So So instead, being Smokey Bars the rest of your life playing guitar. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a much healthier option. (laughs) But no, that just led me to to stay inside my room and uh, play the guitar. And play the guitar and practice, you know. And I found, you know, my first... You know, love that way. What was your, uh, I mean, was Saba Banks your first band? I mean, were you in a lot of bands before you got into some stuff a little bit more serious? Yeah, I, I was in quite a few. Um, well, not quite a few, but I, I was in, you know, a few bands. I started playing, um, you know, I started getting really serious about playing guitar when I was probably about 13. And then um, by the time I was 15, you know, and, and around the age of 13, 
I was you know, kind of lucky enough that, um, you know, I got to go see some local bands around um, that, you know, kind of showed me that, you know, you could do it. You know, you yeah. could get out there and play. And um, because I know you, you know, from growing up in Indiana, um, you know, you go see shows at whatever the the big arena or something yeah. like that. And you, you kind of just feel like that's a, a goal. It's unattainable. <clears throat> exactly. It's, it's this unattainable goal that like, God, how would I ever get there? <clears throat> and then, you know, you see, um, you see some local bands and you're like, Oh my God, like they're yeah. actually really rocking out and like making really cool music. And, uh, this might be something that I could do. So, you know, I was, you know, involved in the music scene as far as going to shows and stuff a lot and always, um, you know, making it known that I was, you know, the younger guy playing guitar. And so when I was about 15, um, there was a band that I was a, a fan of uh, from around this Muncie kind of Anderson area here um, called Soul Force. Okay. And um, they were pretty heavy and, um, you know, really cool guys. And they, they asked me to, to be a second guitar player. And they were all like, 18 19 years old graduating high school and i was 15 so i was like yeah definitely you know so um i got mostly doing originals or were they doing no it was all original all original yeah yeah it was all original stuff um and uh you know i got in the band <clears throat> i think we had one practice and uh they decided to fire the drummer so i was like all right cool um then we quickly found another drummer from uh, another local band and somebody that I had actually liked and uh, reformed um, and kind of, you know, approached uh, approached it a little bit differently as far as what they were doing with the Soul Force band. And we were a band called Pete's Eye. Pete's Eye. Pete's Eye, yes. Um, cool. Don't ask me where we got the name from. <laughs> I don't really remember. It's um, a cool name for a band, though. Yeah, so we played around the Ball State area. Um, two of uh, there were two brothers in the band, John and Andy McCauley, and uh, they were they were going to Ball State. So you know we played the Flying Tomato uh, back when it was around, and um, you know, and all these places around here. And um, I was in that band for about five years, and kind of. Uh, had some other little kind of side projects with some friends and stuff, but nothing too serious. And then, um, I don't know, kind of took a little hiatus, uh, for a few years and then got, got together and started jamming with some other guys. Um, and what, and what would eventually become Saba Banks, um, originally was a four piece called Dagasinge. I remember that. Again, I remember seeing that name on flyers. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I I've known you for so long. I had no idea that that was you. Really? Yeah. And then we. Uh, I'm learning stuff on this <laughs> podcast right now. We had that place, uh, just not very far from where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh, over on Walnut, um, we had originally rented it, uh, a downtown building here, for really cheap, and um, just to be a practice space, and ended up getting more space than we we thought. So we started having shows there. Um, I had kind of came up with a little logo for the band, which was like a lowercase D in a circle. We made that little plaque, put it out on the front and people just started calling it the circle D. 
So I had no idea you had anything to do with that. I went, I've gone to shows there. Yeah. When I was super young, I went to shows there. Yeah. We, um, so we started doing that and then we kind of, we had a falling out. Uh, the band did, um, basically with two of the other members, you know, kind of couldn't agree on stuff. And we, uh, so then we ended up basically reforming as a three piece called Saba Banks. Um, got the name from an old, uh, in search of with Leonard Nimoy, awesome about uh, the Bermuda Triangle and a and a ship that had went missing called the Saba Banks. We spelled it completely different, but uh, so that's where that kind of came about. And um, it was basically through that, you know, that how I ended up in Brazil. Um, Aaron Smith, who was uh, the other guitar player in Brazil, um, liked Saba Banks, and he was pretty much at all, at all of our little local shows here. And, and actually, Saba Banks in uh, Brazil, which was called London at the time. At the time, yeah. Uh, we played our first shows together. Um, and uh, we, we played, you know, we played a couple shows together after that. And um, originally, they were, I don't remember if they were a four-piece or a five-piece, but... Um, Jonathan yeah. was originally the drummer of the band, and they had another guy playing uh, guitar and singing. And um, they had a tour set up, and um, they were kind of unsure whether their guitar player singer was going to make it. Um, and Jonathan had contacted me and was like, "Would you be interested in filling in if if he doesn't, you know, want to do it?" And I was kind of just like, "Yeah." Thanks, but no thanks, not really, you know, it was like, I was still kind of unsure, I was, you know, I was kind of a music Nazi back then, um, I didn't, you know, there were certain things, I was just not very open-minded yeah. to a lot of different styles of music, um, you know, I liked what I liked, and if it wasn't underground, you know, completely <clears throat> underground, indie, you know, aggro sort of stuff, uh, I just, I wasn't on board, and I, you know, I liked you know, what I'd heard of Brazil, but, um, it just, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea, really. I didn't think at the time. And so I, I declined that. And, um, we ended up actually playing a show together right before they left for the tour and their guitar player was fine. And they went out and did it. And, um, they, I think they got back from that tour and ended up, I'm not sure if they hired him or what they parted ways, basically. Yeah. Um, and, so it was going to be that Jonathan was going to step in as the singer. Um, but they were having trouble finding a drummer, which um, led to quite a, quite a few years after I did join the band where um, this long line of drummers <clears throat> that we had. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, <clears throat> they asked me to uh, come out and just fill in as a second guitar player. And I was like, sure, you know, I'll do that. And, um, Jonathan had set up a tour for, uh, like a one-week tour for Saba Banks and Brazil to go out. You were yeah. pulling double duty? Yeah. And actually, Jonathan ended up pulling double duty on that, too, because um, the, the drummer for Saba Banks, I, I had told him that we had this, you know, we, we're going to go out on the road and play. You know, we'd never done that shit before. I mean, besides going to, like, Indy and maybe yeah. Fort Wayne and stuff like that. But, like, we're actually going to go do this. And, um <clears throat> he basically kind of at the last minute pulled out and um, I knew that Jonathan was a good enough drummer 
that he could fill in. So so Jonathan filled in for us on drums for Salva Banks, and then um, unfortunately Brazil could they changed their name to Brazil at that time. They'd found out that uh, there was another band called London uh, previously. I I, I want to say that uh, one of the guys from Rat was might have been it or. Um, you don't mess with those guys. No, no, no. So, um, uh, you're the round and round guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, shout out to Rat. Shout out to Rat, man. Um, so Jonathan ended up uh, playing drums for both bands uh, because they couldn't find anybody to play drums so he could sing. And uh, we couldn't talk him into doing the headset mic thing. You know, the Phil Collins and just, yeah. I guess, just didn't look cool. So, um, so who sang for that, for the, for Brazil? Nobody. We just did uh, like instrumental it, it set was instrumental. Yeah. I mean, I could see Brazil being able to pull that off. Not a lot of other bands. Yeah. It was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, it just gave, uh, Aaron and I as guitar players a little more freedom to, uh, yeah. to freak out and make crazy noises, you know? Well, and I always like, I mean, you know, tangent, with Brazil, you know, being kind of a fan of it and then getting to tour with you guys and eventually playing with you guys, the cool, di- like the dichotomy that I always got with you and Aaron was that you seem like the more traditionally taught theory, like regular guitarist, not saying you're regular, just right. And then he was just, Hey, I'm going to make as much weird <laughs> noises as I can. And somehow it all kind of melded together. I always liked that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that was definitely kind of the roles that we ended up you know, well, like at any point he was making like weird chime noises and stuff. You were playing chords. So like, yeah. Yeah. We, I identified more with you. Let's right. just say that. Even though he was really cool. I just, I'm not the noise guy. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he was definitely, I mean, not just being the guitar player, but you know, he was doing stuff over there, you know, creating his whole soundscape yeah. of, uh, of stuff going on. But, um, so we did, we did that tour together, both bands and, um, it was on that tour that uh, I think we were in Appleton, Wisconsin, and um, we played this little house show. And Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, and I had both got up early that day, and he we went on a little walk or something. He told me he was like, "Hey, I just got, you know, they, they had they had made a demo and sent it out to a bunch of people." And um, he was like, "I, you know, he was like, I haven't told anybody yet. You know, nobody's awake." He was like, "I just." you know, got an email from uh, Bob at Fearless Records. He was like, and they want to, you know, offer us a deal. He was like, so, you know, I know you're kind of just filling in as the second guitar player, but we'd like to, you know, have you. Um, but, you know, I kind of need to know so we can start getting this this ball rolling and you know, find another drummer and all that good stuff. And Did Jonathan sing on the original demo? On the demo that he sent to Fearless, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. Um uh, they had they had cut a demo with the other guy uh, before that, and I think a lot of the songs were similar, um, but Jonathan kind of went back and put his own take on everything and redid all the lyrics yeah. and everything like that. So, so yeah, they um, he was like, you know, if you want to be in the band, you know, this is it. And what did you? What was? What were your thoughts? Well, my th- I mean, did you even know what Fearless Records was? I mean, did you think it was like? your ticket or like what, what did you think at the time? No, I, I mean, I didn't know a lot about fearless. Um, I knew that, um, you know, that at the drive-in had a couple records on there and that was really, I wasn't, you know, I, w- I wasn't into a lot of the, 
the pop punk stuff that, yeah. they, that they were doing. That's so, kind of like what they had. They had like at the drive-in and then pop punk. Right. Out exactly. the <laughs> yeah. And so I, I wasn't, you know, a huge fan of that just because, um, I don't know, you know, not that I don't like that, you know, or appreciate, I guess that type of music, but, um, it just, you know, it would get a little mundane to me. Yeah. So well, and it seemed like it <clears throat> back in those days, it seemed like, like every label would sign like nine bands at the same time and you couldn't tell each band from the next band. Oh too. yeah. Yeah, definitely. There were, there were a lot of bands, you know, that had that similar sound. And, um, so I was just like, you know, it'll definitely get me, it'll get me out and get me yeah. playing. And, you know, it was what I wanted to do is, is be a guitar player. It wasn't necessarily, you know, what I, uh, what I thought I would be doing, but you know, sometimes you don't, you don't really end up, yeah. things don't go the way you think they're going to go. You know, they go the way they're supposed to go. And, um, that's what I believe happened, you know, is, um, so, you know, I, you know, I kind of kept Saba Banks, you know, we, we were still together. We didn't break up. Um, but they knew I was, you know, I was going to start playing with Brazil. And, um, so, you know, we just did it. I'm, I'm trying to remember, you know, did you record the the first EP, Dasin? How do you say that? How you say it? I always said Dasin. I'm not. Really, I'm not really sure. <laughs> but you guys recorded that here in Indiana, right? Yeah, we recorded it down at um, Azmuth okay. Studios, um, which we always thought was cool because uh, Eminem had done some recording there, <laughs> and um, I think he did some of the D12 stuff okay. there, and so um, we were using the same mic that Eminem used. Um, <laughs> it's funny I can't see you guys being that excited about, about Eminem. That. Hey, you know, <laughs> from what I know of you guys, <laughs> like Jonathan being like, "Oh man, Marshall Mathers." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we did that one in in indie. Um, that was just the, the seven song, I think. EP. How how was the process? I mean, did you did they you kind of put your own stamp on some of the songs, or was it all kind of written already, or did you guys go into actually writing that actual EP once you joined? No, all, all of those songs were actually written, um, uh, except, except one, but the, the rest of them were um, pretty much already written. Um, as far as putting my own stamp on the, on the guitar parts on that, um, you know, I, I didn't really do much except maybe, you know, add a little, like a little effect here yeah. and there. Um, but, you know, at, at that point I was kind of, playing what I was told to play. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things I did too uh, with that band was um, we would, you know, having the piano or the keyboards in the band, um, a lot of times Nick, the, the keyboard player and myself, would um, would play the same thing um, just to kind of give it a different sound. You know, here it is on piano, here it is on guitar at the same time. Um, which for me was was really challenging because transposing something from a piano to a guitar—it's not easy. It's not easy, and um, was was cool because it was a challenge. You know, I mean, there's there's actually one uh, <clears throat> one part off of the full length uh, "Hostage and Meaning of Life" that um that when I transposed it, it was like a tongue twister for my fingers. You know, it was like, oh my god! Like, I remember that that do 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 something like that, or was that am I just thinking of something else? Because I remember seeing like when I was playing with you guys, when I was touring with you, when that part would come up, I think it was on Escape, maybe. 
No, the part, well, well that, I would just look at you and Nick and you guys would be so in sync. And I'm like, man, that, that does not look easy to do because Nick's going crazy on the keyboard and you're, I'm, you're just rocking it, man. No, actually that, that part was, was kind of easy. Cause it was just like playing an open D okay. that I just had to, to kind of lift a few fingers on. But, um, no, the song was called we, I remember, I remember playing we, and the bass line was easy. <laughs> yeah. But there was a specific guitar part that was like, da 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 just I remember that now. the the position of where I had to play it on guitar to uh, to get my notes to be the same as the notes that he was playing on on the on the keyboard were uh, yeah it was definitely difficult but it was it was fun you know I mean that was that was a challenge for me so that's really when I kind of started um, you know getting more into the band and I started feeling more like you know uh, something that I was actually part of and not something I some you know, guys I was just playing with. And you guys recorded that with Alex Newport out in <clears throat> California, right? Yeah. How was the process with Alex? I mean, I've met Alex when I was with you guys. I've spoken to him other times. He actually has gone on to, not only was he in Nail Bomb and like all these crazy <laughs> bands, but uh, I don't know how familiar you are with City in Color, which is Dallas Green from Alexis on Fire. Yeah. I know you guys toured with Alexis, mm-hmm. but Dallas Green's like last two or three albums have been produced by Alex. Mm-hmm. And I just it's crazy to see some of the stuff he's produced and then to see that stripped down like acoustic kind of stuff. Right. So what was your take on working with him? <clears throat> well, that I mean, to me, that was really, that whole process was when stuff for me started kind of getting surreal. Um, because yeah, I mean, I know that, um, you're in LA. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We're in LA and, but you know, I, Alex, you know, I, like I said, you know, being a fan of, uh, you know, I got into heavy stuff at an early age, and I was into death metal. And um, so, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I was in like high school, um, there were like kind of two major labels that did the death metal stuff: was Earache and yeah. Roadrunner. Yeah. Uh, there was, and I now I'm not even going to remember uh, which which label that they were on. But Alex used to be in a band called Fudge Tunnel. I remember that band. Hate songs in E minor. Yeah. And um, I had that record and I got it cause I thought, well, these guys got to be, you know, I thought they were death metal and they really weren't. It was just like sludge. Yeah. I mean, it was just really heavy sludgy stuff. So, so I knew who he was from that. So instantly, you know, I was like, well, this is really cool. You know, we're getting to, I'm getting to meet Alex Newport. And, uh, he was like, um, the guitar tech or something on, um, Sepultura's, chaos ad i yeah. think it was um so he knew those guys you know and that was another you know another weren't some of those guys in nail bomb yeah yeah i, th- I think max max was max in, yeah nail bomb. um and then you know knowing that he had done a couple of the at the drive-in uh, recordings for fearless um kind of how we got you know tagged up with him um but you know he was super nice guy you know um and uh really awesome to work with um you know i i had a lot of um misconceptions about what the music industry was going to be like before i got in it you know i thought i I think everybody kind of does i thought oh a producer he's gonna you know fuck all our stuff up and and tell us what to play and like change all of our songs around And, and it wasn't like that at all you know we had uh we had one day of pre-production before we started recording and uh, we went to this um, I don't remember what it's called this place out in LA where uh, bands could rent you know a little space and practice in and they had tons of tons of spots in there 
and um, you know he we basically just set up like a band and, and played for him and uh, he listened to the stuff and you know his I think his like one of his only suggestions was like maybe do the chorus like an extra time there was he taking notes or anything or was he just listening he was mainly listening. He might have been writing stuff down. I, yeah. I don't know that I was paying too much attention. Um, the producers that I've worked with in the past, a lot of the time, I mean, it, sometimes they'll help you with whatever, but I mean, mostly it's like tempos or yeah, do the chorus twice or, yeah, you know, stuff yeah, so, like that. So it was totally not what I expected. And, and he was such a, a nice and cool guy. And, um, and, and another thing about that experience, what, which was, you know, surreal for me was that, um, you know, we, we had been, you know, we'd been out on the road, and um you know i i was still always a huge fan of um you know the the older chicago punk or you know post punk sort of scene and um you know huge like jesus lizard fan yeah. and um all that stuff <clears throat> and i remember we were we were playing a show somewhere in texas and um this guy was the uh, the sound guy was playing something over the the you know the pa and i was just like god this is freaking awesome you know kind of sounds like jesus lizard or something like i I gotta go ask him who this is you know and and that was the first time i was turned on to this band called rye coalition i remember meeting those guys in austin yeah right yeah and um so i became a huge fan of those guys great man instantly you got me onto them you actually gave me like a copy of their stuff on that tour yeah they're awesome yeah i was probably pushing them on on everybody because it was like you gotta fucking listen to this band like they're amazing <clears throat> and then they they did a record with uh steve albini didn't they do one with dave Grohl too that got shelved yeah and that was actually because i remember talking to them about that they're like yeah we just we did this album but now it's not coming out or i don't know if it ever it probably did come it, out eventually. it did yeah yeah so so like we were walking you know we were doing that day of pre-production out there and um i was walking through the halls um, probably going outside for something and I passed a guy and I'm like that looks like the drummer for Rye Coalition and pretty soon I passed another guy I was like yep yep that's them so I you know of course being a fan of theirs I was like you know I, I hunted them down and, and started talking to them and they were super cool guys and they're from Jersey and um, our drummer at the time which we you know I, I kind of skipped over that whole part where we went through uh, where Brazil went through a before you found James. Before we found James, yeah. When we went through like a mass of drummers, like where we would do a tour, where we would have one drummer, we would go home and either we would want them to play drums and they didn't want to, or we didn't want them to play drums and they wanted to, or, yeah. um, you know, stuff just didn't work out. And uh, we went through a whole slew of drummers. Um, you know, the guy that originally played on a Design, the first EP, um, you know, he did like maybe one or two tours with us and he just kind of, he had another band that he was in um, and he just, you know, he kind of wasn't into it. He didn't really know where it was going to go. So, uh, but he was, you know, he was an amazing drummer. Um, so then we were always kind of trying to fill, you know, fill his shoes and find somebody that played like him. And um, so, yeah, we ended up getting James finally after we, we auditioned like, hundreds of guys and um so james is from jersey yeah and uh, woodbridge or somewhere i remember him staying at his parents house yeah yeah he was from woodbridge and uh it turns out the rye coalition dudes weren't you know didn't come from too far from well jersey's not 
huge. Yeah. So, uh, unless you're out in the Pine Barrens, <laughs> right? But so they they had mutual friends and everything. So we we just kind of hit it off, you know. At least I did with those guys, and and kind of you know uh, wanted to stay in touch with them. And uh, like I said, I was a huge fan. And they that was like their first day of uh, they were doing pre production. They had just got signed to um, DreamWorks at the time and was going to have Dave Grohl produce their record. And um, just so happens, I, di- I didn't, Dave didn't show up that day, so we didn't get to meet him. Um, but um, we went and hung out with him one night at their villa, and uh, super cool guys, you know. And uh, like I said, I was just a really huge fan of him. And yeah, then we ended up, you know. I just remember we were at Emo's mm-hmm. in Austin, and there's another story that goes along with that. I'm sure we'll talk about roast beef. Oh, gosh. <laughs> when we get I, to the tour stories. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they uh, – I just remember they kind of showed up or they were playing upstairs or downstairs or somewhere else, but you yep. saw them and knew them and we got to hang out with them like almost the whole night. Yeah. We, we played the early show. We were on tour with Emery, I think. Emery and from first to last and uh, something else. I don't know. There was a couple of bands. A couple sh- other bands. Uh, a Thorn for Every Heart. Yeah. They were on part of that tour. Yeah. It, and it changed up. Um, the Thorn for Every Heart was on part of it. There was a band, that band from Kentucky that I can never remember the name of the band. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I don't remember. I remember you know? little pieces. Yeah, a lot of stuff I don't remember. Well, me. if you go back, I mean, I don't know how many of these episodes you've actually listened to in preparation to be on the show, but my first episode was with Joel Green. I did listen to the majority <laughs> of that. Yeah, I don't. Know. And Joel Green just like after we got off, the, like stopped recording, he was like, "Man, I feel like I didn't remember anything." <laughs> yeah. That was a good Joel impression yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's um, how he is. Yeah. Hey, uh, man. Sweet tea. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Joel if you're listening, man. Yeah, I love Joel. He was he was a great guy. Um, but yeah, the the deal was we yeah we played an early show and they they were playing the late show, and um, I hadn't really been in touch with them, uh, so you know I knew that their record hadn't came out yet, um, and uh, yeah, I ended up hanging out with them that night. I just remember them saying that like they they didn't really get dropped. From the label, but they shelved the record for some reason, and it just wasn't coming out. Yeah, I think the deal was is um, right after they signed to DreamWorks, Universal bought DreamWorks, and yeah. um, and it, they just kind of got put into one of those uh, limbo. Yeah, the, the horror stories that you hear about from the recording, oh, yeah. from you know the record industry, where um, you know they recorded this record with Dave Grohl that was you know. It is a really amazing album, and um, uh, the label told him, you know, that go back and record five more songs. No they, singles, no singles. Exactly, and they were basically like, well, you know. This is what we did, this, put it out. Yeah, and um, so they got into a big, you know, custody battle over the child, yeah. and um, <clears throat> they ended up getting it, and uh, they went back to their, uh, the first label that they were on, um, I don't know. Gern Blanstein, uh, a little label out of, uh, I think over on the East Coast. So, but they put it out for him, and um, yeah, I think Dave even, you know, uh, tried to, you know, petition against the label to get it you know, put out, but yeah. just didn't work out. But <clears throat> awesome guys, and uh, yeah, that was that was really cool for me to, you know, to get to meet those guys, and then. You know. I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't because I remember weird things, but. Uh... 
So the whole Alex Newport thing, and just to kind of interject, because I think you'll find this funny if you didn't remember, but when I was on tour with you guys and we actually went and stayed at his loft where like the studio's at and everything, we spent the night there. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, many, many years before that, he'd always go to Karma here in Muncie and whatever was playing in Karma, they always had like the little display thing with right. the CD. And if he liked it, he'd buy it. Mm-hmm. And one day he went in and nail bomb was being played. <laughs> and so he bought it is the picture with like the guy, the little girl with the gun to her head, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> my dad was crazy. He liked Pennywise and no effects and bad religion and nail bomb and Sepultura. Like he listened to all kinds of stuff. And, um, I remember him coming home and like, Oh, I bought this today at Karma. And I, li- I'd never heard of it. I was young mm-hmm. and we played it. And I'm like, you bought this. Like it kind of freaked me out. But then he always loved that record and was like to- so into that record. And that got me into the record. So when we were on tour, when I was on tour with you guys and we stayed at Alex's house, I had Alex call my dad Oh wow! <laughs> to say like, Hey, I'm the nail bomb guy. Yeah. And they talked for like 25 minutes and my dad was like so excited. And like, I think Alex signed something for me to take to my dad. And so cool. that was my little thing. Cause I just, I was a fan, but I just knew like my dad would freak out that like, he never really knew what I was doing on the road. Right. Cause there wasn't a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. Like in the future made a little bit of money. And he's like, okay, cool. But like back then it was pretty bare bones as you know. Oh yeah. So the fact that I was staying in LA at the nail bomb guy's apartment Right. Meant something to my dad. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. I didn't know if you, you probably didn't remember or even knew that happened. No, I didn't know that happened. Alex thought it was cool because he's like, how old's your dad? Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, you know, late fifties or whatever. He's like, and he likes my band. (laughs) He just thought it. So he was like, yeah, call him up, man. And he talked to my dad for like a half hour. It was great. That's cool. Yeah. Alex, Alex is a great guy. Um, he was, I don't, I don't know. You probably don't know if he's still doing the band, but he was doing a band uh, back when we, record with him called theory of ruin i remember that name i don't know much about it and um that was another one of those bands that was kind of like right up my alley as far as that that whole you know the style that they were playing but uh yeah they were really cool so you guys were touring then on uh hostage in the meaning of life that's mm-hmm. the name of the record right right so um now i guess you know we've, we've talked a little bit about it those tours like when you first met me Give me like, I, I remember after like getting kind of indoctrinated in and you guys actually liked me, Yeah, the jokes that were like, well, we thought you were like this Blink-182 skater guy. Like newbie told me that Jonathan said that he's like, we weren't really sure if we were going to mesh well right. because I was in this like punk band, which we weren't poppy, but it was a little different than what you guys were doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was kind of this like, well, we met first. On Warp Tour, right? We met first on Warp. Yeah, well, that's what I... The first thing I did was I went out with you guys. Um, Jonathan had asked me to go out to kind of be a roadie. Right. And I was actually out on Warp Tour before that, working with a band called The Reason, which you guys toured with later on from Canada. Yeah. And so I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. And Jonathan's like, well, we got somebody else anyway. So then I went out with them, and like the day before I got back from Warp Tour with them, Jonathan's like, hey, the other guy fell through. You still want to do it? So I had like... 12 hours at home to like do my laundry and stuff and then go back out on warp tour with you guys. So yeah. What was, what were your thoughts? You probably thought I was just some punk kid. No, no. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't really have, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know about chronic chaos. Um, really. You're um, lucky, man. Yeah. 
um, and either either because like you guys just didn't play in the same circles we did. Yeah, I think it was it was. I mean, we played all over like pretty much the same venues, but I think it was way. I mean, we were kind of like Metallica mixed with No Effects. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't super poppy, but it wasn't what you guys were into. Right, it was completely different sides of the genre or whatever. Yeah, I just. Um, I, you know, I really don't, I think, did we meet you like out there or? No, what happened was, is that my dad actually picked me up and brought me to the house on Jackson. Okay. My old house. Yeah. yeah. Like 10 minutes before we left to drive oh, to the first day. Okay. I didn't know anybody. The only person I'd ever spoken to for more than 10 minutes was Jonathan. Right. And so I get in this van and I'm like, nobody's talking to me. I was like, shit, we got like a 12 hour drive and then I'm going to be on the road with these guys for a month or whatever it was. I don't know anybody. You and I quickly kind of, I think we kind of bonded over some of the metal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember the first couple of weeks, no one really talking to me except you. Really? Like we were cool yeah. <laughs> and we always remained cool. And the other guys came around, but I didn't remember you and I kind of connecting first. Yeah. You're living with somebody in a van for months on end. You know? Right. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta open up sometime. So what do you, what do you remember of that first kind of, that, that I was on, not your first time, but like the Warp Tour, like, do you remember anything cool from that? Um, man, I mean, Warp Tour was really hard for me to get used to. I think you it's did. a hard tour. You did. I had done it before. Right. Like with my band and other bands being like roadies and playing and like kind of like an aux guitar guy and whatever. But it's, uh, it's kind of brutal if you're not in a bus. Oh yeah. If you're not in a bus and if you're just not used to that, um. That sort of, and we were doing side shows on the days off with Under Oath, and it was, I mean, we never got a break, right? We had to drive all night because you have to be there at seven in the morning, you know? Yeah, but you, you did. We, I remember we did like, um, like a couple weeks on the west coast and then a couple weeks on the east coast, yeah. right? And did you do the I east did, coast stuff with us? Right? I did both. You did both, I did both, but I had to take like a, a week off and fly home for like a wedding or something, okay. Because well, I remember we did, I thought there was somebody else that was kind of out with us. There was for, somebody else that was doing merch or something. I, yeah. Ben, Benji? Um, no, Benji was out with us, I believe, when we were. Um, well, I did a one tour. When with, we did the Coheed. Yeah, I did one tour <clears throat> with Benji. There was somebody else that was. Yeah, it was one of, it was one of Jonathan's friends, a guy named Tim. Um, I remember Tim. <coughs> well, so you were out at the same time as Tim. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because so, I was doing <clears throat> more like. Doing the merch and stuff. Merch and fixing guitars. And right. Like, and I, I remember one thing that John I probably told me. Ne- that, I never let you change my strings, did I? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. You oh. didn't at first. Okay. But then you kind of saw me do errands and, and like, oh, well, you kind of know what you're doing. Okay. But uh, I remember Jonathan was like, we were so worried because we thought like you were this like punk guy because of the band you were in that you would go out with us and we were paying you to be out with us, but you'd just be watching the bands all day. Cause you're like someone that would go to warp tour. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and then he found out very quickly. It's like, yeah, I like Pennywise and no effects, but the rest of the bands can suck it. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't really care, you know? And I'd done it so many times anyway. Like to me, it was just a job. Yeah. I didn't know if I'd ever even be friends with you guys. I was just out there trying to not be home. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, warp tour was just different. I mean, for me, because <clears throat> I mean, as you know, um, generally when you go out on a tour, you know, you, you kind of, uh, you're, you're just, you're working at night basically. I mean, you're driving during the day. It's Um, complete like opposite. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you're playing at noon and then you've got all that time. You gotta be there at like eight o'clock in the morning and, um, and you're there all day. And if you don't have a bus, you don't have anywhere to go hide, you know, or anything like that. So um, I know that the first, that's couple, why I made friends with Coheed. 
Yeah. Remember those times when we'd sleep oh, on their bus? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that well. Um, I, do, I got, do remember some stuff. Well, I just remember, like, you know, uh, the Canadian dates up in eastern Canada, like uh, Quebec City and Montreal. There's like two or three days where I was just like, see you guys later. I'm sleeping on Khalid's bus. And then I wouldn't see you guys until you played, and then I'd bail. Right. Yeah, I think a few of us did that. Because well, it was so hot. And I mean, oh, I don't know. I told yeah. a story uh, on one of the episodes where I was sleeping on top of the trailer. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, yeah. And the guy came around and knocked on the door to wake everybody up, and I fell off and, and hit the hitch, and like it cut my leg up real bad, and I almost like couldn't even walk. Yeah. Horrible. So Yeah. Got hurt. I, I, I do remember that, barely. But yeah. um, We're old, man. It's been a long time. Yeah. But just getting into the the swing of things, you know, being on that type of tour, that festival tour. I know the first the first few weeks that we did it, I hated it. Yeah, and I could not get uh, into it at all. And then the uh, the last two weeks that we did it, I was like all geared up, and I, I you know I I had it you down. Get into the swing of it, and it's like this is really cool. Yeah, like this the is barbecue every night and hanging out with the other bands, right? And, and you you know you got to meet a lot of you know cool people and. Um, you know, see bands, you know, that you didn't know about. Um, and we got fairly close with the Under Oath guys because we were playing all those sideshows with them. And yeah. And like and that, that tour actually is what led me to actually play later at Underminded. Because remember, they were setting up the stage oh, yeah. that we were on. And then I ended up playing bass for them and doing a lot of stuff for them. Yeah. So yeah, that tour was big for me. I met a lot of people that later on really helped me out. I mean, not a, you guys especially because right. I ended up playing with you at one point. Yeah, and with the from first to last guys, from first to last guys, <clears> yeah, they were on that stage. And too. of course, you know, we've I've talked about this on past episodes. Little Little Sunny is now, oh yeah, Grammy Award Skrillex. winning Skrillex. Yeah, yeah, I about shit when I I saw Rolling Stone with his face on, and I was like, the fuck is Skrillex? Like, <laughs> I was like, dude, do you remember when he used to like let us hear his little mm-hmm. beats that he would make on tour? And I'm like, I don't get it, but it's kind of cool. And oh yeah. I remember in, um, I think it was in, um, like the Emory guys, uh, hometown was, is that Columbia or, uh, they're from Greer, but we were, yeah, Columbia was where the new Brooklyn Tavern or wherever we played. Okay. Yeah. I remember being backstage and, and, uh, he was doing some stuff on a, on a laptop and, um, he let me listen to it and I was just like, honestly, dude, it's like Fruity Loops. I'm like, you got more talent than like the entire band kid. Like, you know, like you, you. You know, he really, I could tell, you know, he really had. He let me hear it all the time. And I mean, I did all, I'd say this on the podcast whenever we talk about it, but like, I didn't really get it. It's not like what I would listen to, right? but I'm like, that's really cool. Like the way he put things together and yeah. And I mean, I thought he was a cool singer. He had a cool vibe to him and those guys were super nice to us, man. Like I always said, I mean, there's some, some stuff maybe we won't talk about completely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Change the names to protect the innocent. Nah. So, okay, then that tour, we did a like, two or three month tour with Emory Headline. It was their first headlining tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I've talked about it at length on some of the other podcasts. But uh, what do you remember about that tour? That's when I actually ended up playing with you guys. Right. So did we do that like directly after the warp? It was, tour? I think we had a couple weeks off because I remember being <clears throat> able to come home and kind of settle up on my rent and take care of some stuff. And then it's like, yeah, time to go. And we hit it out again. Yeah. Um, gosh. I mean, that you know that was a long tour, wasn't it? Like it was at least ten weeks. Okay, I mean it was crazy. Yeah, started in Seattle and ended in Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, what do I remember from that? Um, I mean, there's the obvious stuff that you know. Let's talk about the obvious stuff. Um, 
you know, just the, the whole. We're getting close to an hour. I like to keep <clears throat> things around an hour. So oh, we've got shoot. 10, 15 minutes to talk about the obvious stuff and then we'll, we'll tie a bow on it. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, basically just, you know, um, we, we, you know, as a band, we had a, an incident happened um, where we, um, let's just say, lost our bass player yeah. right in the middle. In Nashville. Of, uh, right in the middle of a tour. And, um, you know, we were lucky enough to have uh, have you with us, somebody that... Well, I just remember, this is what I remember. So it happened, he bailed, and we go back to the guy's house we're staying at after the gig. Mm-hmm. And you guys are like having this meeting and I'm just kind of sitting there. And you're all kind of upset, and it's a big deal because that tour, like, all the shows were sold out. Like, that tour was massive. Yeah. And you guys are kind of, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I kind of went, I raised my hand. I'm like, you guys know I know how to play bass, right? (laughs) And everybody just kind of looked at me and went, can you learn, like, eight or ten songs tonight? And I said, I'll do my best. I think you got, like, six or so. I got, like, six that night. Yeah. Because the next day was Little Rock. I remember Little Rock, Arkansas was the next place. No, you saved our ass, man. I, I had mean, a blast, man. It was great. You saved our ass. Uh, I'd never really played bass in a band before, but I mean, if you play guitar, you can kind of pick out the root notes. Or and I think you you stopped wanting to. Uh, you, you weren't changing strings after that, right? I was changing Joel Green strings because he was letting me use all his gear. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I yeah. didn't have a bass. Remember I, that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, I told the story when Joel was on the show. You know, I asked him that next day if I could use his equipment, but. That night, you guys' friends, whoever's friends it was in Nashville we were staying at, he had a bass, but it was a five-string. I've never oh. played a five-string before. I mean, I understand you just play on the E instead, but right. I had to learn all the songs on a five-string, and I'd never played a five-string before. And then turn around and play And turn it. around and play it on a regular four-string the next day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of started slacking a bit. I, I think I got comfortable, like, oh, I'm in the band. Oh, now. yeah, I'm in the band. I don't, have, <laughs> I don't have to carry shit, or I don't have to I yeah. don't have to sit at the merch table and, uh, and tell everybody it's my birthday every night. Hey, man, I made some good tips. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, from oh, yeah. first to last merch guy, manager, uh-huh. whatever, he gave me that, that, that little trick. You tell people, and so if you're on, if, if you guys listening out there go see a band play and the merch guy says it's his birthday, it's probably not his birthday. Exactly. It's yeah. a scam. It's I a made scam. a lot of money doing that. <laughs> a lot of money. Well, yeah. That was always funny. Yeah. But yeah. I tell you, man, like I had a blast playing with you guys. Like it was, and I mean, I think you're the only one that I've really stayed pretty much in contact with. Like I love the other guys. I talked to him on Facebook and stuff like that. Like Jonathan's going to be on the show. Nick said he was, he's going to be on the show as well, but tips, <clears throat> tips. <laughs> Let's get into some of that. Now that's, that's one thing I do want to talk about when we did those side shows with under oath uh-huh. and we, <laughs> we were in Baltimore, Oh yeah. which if anybody out there listening is from Baltimore, you cannot tell me that you guys don't have the biggest rats I've ever seen in my entire oh life. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so we're playing, I think the, the auto bar. Yeah. And, uh, which I played there with the Ataris as well. Cool. But, place. um, yeah, cool place. Great place. But we, we were trying to find Nick. We couldn't find Nick oh. and we go out and his head is laying in the gutter next to the tire of under oath's bus mm-hmm. and there's like three rats like sitting there like ready to pounce like they thought he was like food right and i had to like carry him on my shoulders and rats rats the size of like small dogs rats the size of small like like the size of uh jack russell terriers yeah <laughs> yeah i just there was some really good things what was the tips thing i don't really um oh god i See, this is what the meat of this podcast is about. We talk a lot about history and whatever, but it's that one time on tour. So we got to, we got to dive a little deeper. Yeah. There was something I think about you, 
Maybe you were going to give him money. Maybe it was his like per diem or something like that. Because that's one thing I still was in charge of was making sure everybody got their money every right. week. So I think like maybe you were going to give him as a per diem or something like that. And uh, he was telling you to uh, just to just keep take, it as a tip. Keep it as tips. Uh, but all he could really get out was tips. Tips. You know, tips, tips. tips. And then what he says, I was I'm, I'm going to write a book. What was that thing <laughs> oh, that he said? God. I can't remember, but it was hilarious, <laughs> man. I don't know. That I was mean, the same night. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And I remember the one time when uh, we were in San Diego and he, I don't want to blow up his game or anything, but he, he'd had a little bit to drink and he threw up in the yard and that dog, we have, I have a picture of that dog <laughs> eating his throw up right next to him. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that too. Yeah. We had some good times out in San Diego too. That's I, a really good time. James, uh, James friend yeah. that lived out there. I think we stayed, we stayed with him a few times. And you know what I never realized uh, until way, way later do you remember when we stayed in Beaverton, Oregon? I think uh -huh. James at one point was kind of talking to that girl or. Yeah, it was his girlfriend that lived up there. The dude that she lived with or roommates mm -hmm. is the guy that's like the main roadie guy for no effects. Yeah. Jay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't realize that until like 10, 12 years later when I'm watching like a no effects documentary. Oh, I thought you knew that. Nobody at the time. ever told me and I never knew what he looked like. And then I'm watching the show and I'm like. I stayed at that dude's house. Like yeah. it was just very strange to me. Yeah. He was a super nice guy. He was super great, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's why the, the thing I posted on Facebook talking about this, this interview with you uh, is the picture of us at the river like, oh, yeah. out there in Oregon where yeah, that was where, a lot of fun. Where you, you wouldn't let us do uh, the things that we wanted to do. We wanted to like jump from rocks and, yeah. and do all kinds of crazy. But I was kind of the tour manager. Yeah. Yeah. A the, bit. Yeah. It's like, you know, when James would get on a skateboard, Oh yeah. Be like, hey dude, you have a, you're the drummer. And you have a metal plate in your ankle already. <laughs> yes, so yes. you know I remember it's crazy the things that you do remember because you know, I'd always try to get him to stop and then we on that I think it was the Emory tour, maybe another tour, we played that place Extreme Wheels in Buffalo. Right. And it was yeah. a skate park. Uh -huh. So of course, how are you going to keep him off? Of we we go inside and he's gone and he steals some kid's skateboard. And I'm like, man, we're just going to fucking go home. <laughs> like this tour is over because he's going to kill himself. And of course, he never did. Yeah. But uh, man, I those are some of the best memories. Like I've done a lot of touring since then and a lot of touring before that. But those are some some of the best memories. I just remember my birthday in Orange County. You guys covered me up with oh, everything in the hotel room. In Orange County? I thought we were in like Vegas. Or... Maybe we're in Vegas. I don't remember. See, that's it escapes me where we were at. I feel like we had just played Chain Reaction or we had just played uh, the Glass House in Pomona. One of those two venues, but maybe I'm totally wrong. I wanted to say that we were in Vegas because maybe uh, we're in Vegas. a mutual friend had uh, got, got a... Got a but see, uh, the mutual friend you're talking about... Yeah. I'm pretty sure that she had driven to Orange County okay, to come see us. And she brought Nick roller skates because he was looking for <laughs> oh, roller God. skates on tour in Canada when she was doing merch for Melee. See, I remember all this stuff. Oh, God. And we went on a little trip through the whatever, the transit and the metro in Quebec City looking for roller skates for seven hours. And she actually bought roller skates and brought them to him in Orange County. That could be. I'm, Maybe I'm wrong. I, it might have been Vegas. I'm it, thinking it was Vegas because I'm thinking that we were playing at the um, the House of Blues. It could have been. You know, once you start saying stuff, then it's, 
little things in my head start popping. You have to realize, too, this has been like 15 years ago. Right. I mean, that's insane. <clears throat> yeah, and a lot's happened. Since a lot's so happened. I've, I've slept a lot since then. <laughs> I have two beautiful children. I do. You, you have two beautiful children. Yeah. We're dads now. It's crazy, man. It is real crazy. So this is like reminiscing. Like I, That's why I love this. I talk about this all the time on the podcast. I don't really have an outlet creatively. So who, wait, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but who are we on tour with at that point? Because I remember that was uh, still the Emery thing. I'm pretty sure. I'm thinking the dudes from Piebald. Engine Down. Was we it? did that tour too. Remember those guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. They got their shit ripped off in Dallas. Yeah. And then like eight months later, uh, this cop, I don't know if you know the story. No. Eight, eight months later, this cop went to like a domestic disturbance and this lady answered the door carrying, holding like two kids in an engine down t-shirt. <laughs> And they got their stuff back. I'm pretty sure. Maybe they didn't get it all back. But you know, that's <laughs> side note. But maybe it was that tour. I don't know. Well, I'm trying. If to we remember. played, if we played House of Blues, it had to have been the Emory thing or Coheed or something like that. Say anything. Say anything. Okay. It, it was say anything. Uh, Piebald us and um, because I, rem- I mean, gosh. yeah, because I guess I do remember that because of Max. Right. Yeah. Um, Max is well, a good dude. Well, the, I just the reason I'm thinking that it was that show and that we were in Vegas was because with Nick on the roller skates, um, we had gotten a, a place, we got in a room through the House of Blues. You got kind of okay. like a discount or something. And uh, I think Nick was with the guys from Piebald up in their room or something. And we were trying to coordinate, you know, we were going to go hang out and do yeah. this. And, uh, and we were on the phone with Nick and all of a sudden we just heard the <laughs> and then he gets back on the phone and he's like I crashed out on my roller skates you know <laughs> and he had basically just completely fallen over like in, in their hotel room on his roller skates yeah you know? so that was pretty funny cool man well I tell you what this uh, I feel like we've just scratched the surface this always happens on these things and yeah. I always say I'm going to have people back for a part two um, is there any certain song you would like me to play from either Salva Banks or Brazil something that like is near and dear to your heart because I always play a song after the interview. Right. I mean, uh, I've got my favorites. I'm sure I'll probably play one that I really like as well. Maybe I'll play two. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, if you play the last, uh, play the last song on the last Brazil record. Um, okay. We haven't even, we haven't even talked about that. Working with Dave Fridman, you have to come back for a part two. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't even remember who was I talking to that actually worked with Fridman. Somebody on the show worked with Fridman. I don't remember. Thursday. There's, yeah, yeah, I was talking yeah. to Tucker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we, you got to come back and talk a little bit about that. But uh, so what's the name of that record? If you want to check it out, I'll play a song off that record, the last song. Uh, it was called Philosophy of Velocity. Philosophy of Velocity. Yeah. Now, tangent really quick, I do remember, wasn't there a glitch in one of the songs mm, yeah. after production? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. That's on Something the song, that, song Crime, right? Um, Crime and the Antique Solution, or whatever the name of the song I is. I think it's in "You Never Know." You never know. Okay. Um, but yeah, it pretty... it's a small glitch. It almost sounds like you meant to do it. Yeah, but no, it bugged the the Jesus out of me. Yeah, I remember hearing it the first time. Like, oh man, what is going it's on? It's something that happened in mastering, yeah. I guess. But um, just a small glitch, and then it, it like burnt to every copy oh, yeah. that ever came out. You can hear it. You know? Yeah, I I threw a little bit of a fit about that. <laughs> I'm sure to the label, and uh, no, you know, nothing happened with it. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, the last song on that record was uh, called Strange Days, and uh, just because I kind of, it was one of the songs that I wrote, you know, majority of the guitar parts for, okay. and... Uh, well, I'll definitely play that. I've got that CD at home right now. I did some uh, 
I didn't have to do research for this because right. we know we know each other fairly well. Right. But I got out my my Brazil stuff and I was listening and and I actually I was going through this bag of stuff that I haven't looked at in like twelve years and I've got the hoodie and I've got a couple shirts. I'm like, man, I'm maybe I'll post some pictures so people can see all this stuff. But yeah. uh, so um, have you had fun being on the show? Oh yeah, definitely. Man. I really appreciate <clears throat> you coming on the show. Is there anything that you want to like? What are you working on now? Are you doing anything musically? <coughs> well. <clears throat> I'm trying to. I know Saba Banks is always kind of an ongoing thing for you. So well, how can the people, can they check it out on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still a, a Saba and the, it's spelled S A A B A B A N K S. Um, and yeah, we're looking at doing some stuff, but, um, you know, actually we, we kind of quote unquote played our last show, um, last year at one point, um, I think it was last May or June, um, where, you know, we're just, we're getting older. We got, families and stuff yeah. now and you know don't have the time to do necessarily everything you know the way we used to do it and um you know uh, our drummer had kind of you know thought that maybe you know we would be better off if you know if he if he left the band and we just decided to kind of call it quits at that point and um but you know here it is you know a little over a year later and and we're talking about getting back together and, okay. and doing some stuff but um no, I'm I'm getting into playing a little bit more. I've you know maybe if we do get back together, we can get into some you know some other stuff. You know, and I think uh, that you and I at some point should do what we've always talked about doing and maybe write some songs. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> because I'm I'm such like yeah, let's do it. And then like with everybody, I always yeah, let's do this, let's do this. And I never do. Mm -hmm. But you're somebody that I've always really respected, and I think would be it would be really great to actually try to write some stuff with you. So yeah, that'd be cool. Sometime in the future. When I have more time and I'm not changing as many diapers, maybe we can do that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, as one of your previous bands, I think it was your previous band, was always saying, you know, the future is weird. The future is weird. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. We don't uh, talk about Devil's Brew enough on this podcast. So uh, <laughs> if you guys out there know what I'm talking about, you're in the club. If you don't know, you should go to YouTube and you should YouTube Devil's Brew, Brew of the Dead. It's, uh, it's a little little fun kind of Jack Black type, uh, the tenacious D kind of thing that I did with my friends. We made movies and I, I love you brought that up, man. <laughs> no one else has said anything about devil's brew. Shout out to devil's brew out yeah. there. Yeah. You yeah, were, yeah. you were in the devil's crew. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And yeah, we definitely got to do more cause we haven't talked about the reason or any of that. Stuff, I think what know? we, what we need to do is I've got a couple guests lined up in the next couple weeks and then we'll come back since we live so close. Yeah. And maybe you can co-host one with me. Maybe we'll Ooh. get like, I'll tell you what, when Jonathan comes on, we'll all get together. Okay. That'll, that'll be really I don't fun. want to steal his thunder or anything. I mean, well, but if you do, you do, <laughs> he's just going to have to prepare for it. You know, you've got one under, under your belt already. He's going to oh. come in. So Jonathan, if you're listening, which I know you've listened to an episode or two already, Eric's calling you out. We're going to, we're going to get together and, and we're going to see who's better at being on the podcast. Oh God, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just playing around. But sure. yeah, there's so much more that we need to talk about. So. I'm sure he remembers a lot more. Probably. And he's, um, well, after his world travels, he just did. Maybe he doesn't. Right. And he's a lot more loquacious than I am. So he, he would be, you know, much better spoken. See, I love that you were, use the word loquacious. I don't, I don't have the, the, the people on this show normally, and I'm not saying anything bad, but they don't have the vocabulary or the lexicon. Right. That you do. <laughs> Thank you. And I always like to use that, like, because lexicon is a synonym for vocabulary. Right. So I have such a large vocabulary that I know that lexicon is a synonym for vocabulary. 
Right. And just and last little thing that just reminded okay. me of, uh, you know, and by this, I mean parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to explain what you're doing because you tell that story and then we'll, we'll call it. A okay. Day. Okay. Because uh, you so, did it and I'm seeing it and I know what's going on, but these people, it's just that, audio. Yeah. I mean, because that was a, definitely a, a one time on tour. <laughs> that's a one. That's okay. That's the moment. This and is going to end a, it. So you got to tell this story and, and I think that'll be the good, the closer. Right. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was an ongoing joke for a while. It was for a long time. For a long time. But, you know, people, you know, were notorious for doing the, uh, the air quotes, the air quotes, you know. And uh, there was somebody, I don't even, you were talking to him. It on, was some guy at Warp Tour. Right, some guy. Just at some Warped. dude that like, because whenever we were just kind of hanging out at the merch table or wherever, people would come up and especially like, why Brazil? I'm from Brazil. Right. Like, they went like, why, why is your band called Brazil? It wasn't one of those guys. It was somebody else. No, it was, it was, I, and I'm pretty sure he was inebriated. I'm sure he'd had a couple, yeah. <clears throat> and um uh, he was talking to you and he was doing the, uh, the whole finger quotes thing. And he just wanted to make sure you, that you knew that to what understand he, what he was doing, to understand that he was <laughs> doing. And he said, you know, and, and by this, I mean, parentheses. So just to give you a visual, if you're out there listening and you might not think this is funny, but this was really funny to us. Maybe it was the heat of being on warp tour or the monsters we were drinking nine a day. <laughs> But he did, he was talking and doing air quotes, and he goes, and by this, meaning the air quotes, I mean in parentheses. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, not only was he, you know, doing this cliche thing, he was, uh, thought it was he, he got it all wrong, yeah. you know. And so, I mean, that's the whole thing about, you know, I, to me on tour, as you latch on to those little things. Oh, yeah, there's inside jokes like crazy. That will make you laugh um, uh, because, you know, as a... Uh, Frank Zappa said in the uh, the movie 200 Motels, touring will make you crazy. Yeah. I <laughs> I tell you, though, man, I'll leave you with this, and I'll see if you agree. You have a son. How old is your son? Uh, he's two and a half. Okay, my son just turned two in April, so mm-hmm. about the same age. I hope maybe they'll play music together. Who knows? That'd be awesome. But um, I was telling my wife a while back, you know, touring's really tough, especially when you first start out and you don't really have any money or you don't, nobody really likes your band. You're just like pushing and pushing and pushing. But if Silas comes to me one day and he's like, dad, this summer, me and my friends are going to get in this crappy old van and try to make it across the country playing music. I'm going to be like, dude, do it, do it. I'll give you money. I will support it because it's the best thing ever. Like I, I feel sorry for people that, I mean, I don't feel sorry for people, but those experiences that I had kind of shaped who I am. And that's why, you know, I'm almost 40 years old and I've got a podcast talking about being on the road. Right. And it's not the being on the road in hotels and tour buses. It's all of it. Right. So yeah, if my son ever comes to me and wants to, you know, spend a a summer nickel and diamond it across the country, man, I'm going to bankroll that shit. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, throwing everything I can at my, at my kids musically, you know, um, you know, they've already have little play guitars. Oh, Silas has got a ukulele. Silas yeah. has got drumsticks. He's got a, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, we got last Christmas. We got my son a, a little drum set and not like, you know, cheap, like little animal Muppets drum set. That, yeah. You know, I used to have, but like a, a decent drum set. My wife are considering that right now. Got there's a kit here at the, the store that I work at and they want like $300 and I almost bought it. She's like, he's two. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it's a nice drum set. You know? Yeah. I just want him to have every, and my, my daughter, Indy as well. I want them to have every, everything that they want to do. I'm going to support it and nurture it. And sure. Just like my parents were like, I, I told on the last, I think the last podcast, uh, maybe when the, the rock and roll summer camp podcast, 
my first time ever playing out of state wasn't Ohio, wasn't Kentucky, it was Vermont. Oh wow! Because my I got a, we got a show off for Chronic Chaos when I was like a senior in high school or whatever to go play this show in Vermont and get paid like a hundred bucks. <laughs> but my mom and my dad were like, "Oh, it's our anniversary weekend. Yeah, we'll just load up the van and that can be a trip for our anniversary, and we'll take you guys up there." And we went up there and played, and it was sold out. And like my parents supported me to a fault. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna try to do the same thing for my kids, which I'm sure you're probably in that oh, same boat. Definitely. Yeah. And let's just we'll end the podcast with saying that hopefully our sons will start a band. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can go out and have all the inside jokes that we have. Yeah. You know, and by that I mean parentheses. Parentheses. Yeah. So uh Eric, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun. And there I say this every time, but part two for you is definitely gonna happen because we've got so much more to talk about. Right. And I live too close. I can, yeah. I can come over and bug you anytime. So. And I we are currently uh at my studio where I teach guitar, but I am actually working on a new place in my house that we just moved to here in Muncie. It's going to be a nice little podcast studio. So maybe next time we'll be at my, my house. It'll sound a little better. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play. What did you say the name was? I know it's the last track. Strange days. Strange days by Brazil is coming up here in a second, but Eric, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you for part two very soon. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks. Thanks. And there it was, my conversation with Eric Johnson from Brazil and Saba Banks. I had a great time hanging out with Eric. It's been a, a really long time since we've actually gotten together and talked, and I'm glad kind of that we had this excuse to get together and do the podcast. And uh, now we're talking about play dates with our kids and having barbecues and all kinds of good stuff. So I'm glad that I got to reconnect with Eric. He's a good buddy of mine. And I'm glad that you guys got to check it out. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I am going to play Strange Days. Uh, it's off Brazil's 2006 album, The Philosophy of Velocity. Say that five times fast. Uh, it was on Immortal Records. It was after they left Fearless. They did some, they did a record on Immortal. And then they had another EP that they actually recorded at my studio, the Gallows Recording Studio back in the day. Um, and I think you can get that on iTunes. So yeah, they've got a lot of good stuff, so go check it out. I really want to talk about this TOTOT hotline. Uh, it's uh, 765-372-8818. Please leave me a message. Tell me a tour story. Tell me that you think I'm cool. Tell me that you hate me. I don't care what you tell me. Just tell me something and I'll put the coolest, funniest stuff or, you know, best stuff on a future episode. So that is the TOTOT hotline. It is 765-372-8818. So leave me some love. Leave me some hate. Uh, You know, a friend of mine (laughs) replied to me the other day. They said, you know, they posted the Dag Nasty song, A Thin Line, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. So leave me some love and leave me some hate. So uh, I will see you guys next week. I am very, very excited about my guest next week. Mr. Dewey Halpas, uh, originally from the band Anatomy of a Ghost. He also played in Portugal, The Man. And uh, he now does an amazing podcast uh, called The Pure Pleasure Podcast. Uh, Dewey is uh, is an old tour buddy of mine. Uh, when I was in Brazil, actually, we did some shows with Anatomy of a Ghost and Portugal the Man. So uh, yeah, next week, episode 14 with Dewey from uh, the Pure Pleasure Podcast is going to be on. We're going to talk podcasts and music and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, that brings that, you know, I forgot all about it. Tomorrow is... The 4th of July. It's Independence Day. So I hope you guys have a good 4th of July. Uh, Do not blow anything up that you don't want to blow up with your fireworks. And I always wondered, somebody needs to leave me a message or or email me. Fireworks is plural. So if you have one, like a singular, is it a firework? 
I've always wondered that. So if you know the answer to that, let me know. I'm not going to Google it. Just if you know the answer, let me know. So, okay, that's it. Check us out on all the social medias, TOTOT Podcast. Uh, shoot me an email if you want to be a sponsor, TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com. And call us at the TOTOT hotline, 765-372-8818. So uh, I'll see you guys next week. Here it is, Brazil, the band, not the country, with the song Strange Days. <laughs>
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.